Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I want to just follow up from Joseph's baptism and say, you know, today, if God has been speaking to you, or those of you maybe home watching online today, and baptism is something you've been thinking about, um, reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Just because you reach out doesn't mean that you'll have to get baptized. But we'd love to give you the information so you can make a decision about that and share the story of what God has done in your life with the rest of our church family, because it's such a gift and encouragement uh, to hear those stories. Well, I want to say a special welcome to any of you who are guests here today. If you're watching online for the first time or watching online from outside of the St. John area, a special welcome to you as well. Let me start with a little bit of a, see if you can spot the theme of these different shows that I have been watching lately. It appeared, it occurred to me as I was watching them, I have a particular interest about a certain kind of show. So let me give you four. Uh, my son Nick sent me a link to a documentary about a music studio in California sketchy, filthy kind of studio that was used by these incredible bands to make some of the greatest albums. I watched a behind-the-scenes documentary on a sports team showing all the stuff that happens off the ice, kind of behind the scenes in the locker room, on the planes, in the hotels. I watched a documentary about a luthier or someone who makes guitars, kind of going from a block of wood to this beautiful musical instrument and all the labor and work that went on in the process to make these wonderful guitars. And then I started watching a show on Netflix about how these major movies get made that kind of shape our culture today. Are you noticing a theme? There's a really gross English phrase used to describe these kind of shows. It's called how the sausage gets made or all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into the finished project. And for me, I love the creative process. What was the process from idea to finished product that brought this about? I'm curious about all the parts, all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into making these things happen. Because you and I get to see these finished products, but we know behind the scenes there was a lot of work to be done in order to get that to come together. Whether it was the band and the fights that they had over whether or not they should use this chorus or that chorus that in the end made the song really wonderful. Whether it was actors who were originally not even supposed to star in the movie who got brought in at the last minute who became kind of household names. Whether it was the dynamics of athletes and their enormous egos and the coach's job to try to manage them to bring about a, a world-class team. All of these things behind the scenes that bring about the finished product remind us that the process is messy. It's full of challenges, crisis, drama, and mistakes. And for some reason, I am feeling quite at home in drama, mess, conflicts, and mistakes. I find it comforting. Well, today we're going to look at the kind of the behind the scenes documentary on how real faith gets made in the life of an ordinary person by the name of Abram and his wife, Sarai. Last week, Pastor Sandy started our new series, and we're going to be walking through story by story the life of Abram and his messy, imperfect journey to trust the God who is always faithful. Last week, we saw that God called Abram to leave his home, his family, and all of his security without really any specific directions or instructions. And as he did, God gave Abram three promises. And let me just remind those of us today, but we're going to put them on the screen, and I'm going to ask you for group participation. Are you up for this big challenge? I know you couldn't sing. You can do it at home as well. We're going to read this out loud together. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Please join me. Go from your country 
your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Every story from here on in, in the book of Genesis, on the life of Abram, has this promise standing kind of overarching the story. It's in the background. It's part of each and every life decision that Abram now is going to make. That God promises, first of all, to make him a great nation. He'll give him land, nationhood, a home. Second, to make his name or his reputation great. Abram and Sarah will have a child in their old age. Abram, the nobody from nowhere, will become the father of a kingdom. And God will bless the earth through Abram's life. His kingdom will become a nation. That nation will be, give birth to Jesus. Jesus will start the church. And today, even now, you and I carry out this calling on our lives to take the blessing that God has given to us and to share it with as many people as we can. And these three promises from Abram's life form the backdrop to every story that's going to happen from here on in, in this book of Genesis. And what I love about this story is that when the Bible wants to teach us about faith, it doesn't just give us a definition, and it doesn't just show us somebody who got it right all the time and kind of is perfect or the finished product. It gives us a behind-the-scenes look of the ups and downs and ultimately how this person, person matured as their confidence in God grew. And that's what we get in these Genesis stories. We get to see how real faith is shaped and created in the life of a real person just like you and I. And the scripture calls us in this story not just to imitate what Abram does, because real faith is not about imitating. We don't look at somebody else and we say, well, I just, I'll do what they do or I'll try to act like they act. Eugene Peterson has this great line, we are all originals when we live by faith. So as we go through this series, we hope this is helpful to you. If you're struggling to say, what does it look like to live out my faith right now? What does it look like to live out my faith when everything in this world just seems upside down and chaotic and difficult and challenging? What does it look like to truly trust the promises of God today? So I'm going to invite you to turn with me this morning in Genesis chapter 12. If you haven't been, I invite you to join us in reading through each of the passages each week. You can pick up a reading schedule at the Welcome Center today. Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to just read a few verses, talk about them, read, about, read some more, and talk about them. So I invite you just to kind of keep your Bible open and follow along. We're actually going to start looking at some of the verses that we read last week from Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 8 through to verse 10. And as we do, I'm going to kind of break up this, this passage into what I call four scenes from Abraham's life. Scene number one is found in verses 8 to 10. Let me read it for you. From there, he, Abram, went towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So these first few verses capture kind of scene one in this story in, in Abram's life. 
First, we see that after Abram had been called by God, he traveled, he came to Bethel, and he built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord. And I want you to kind of hold this image in your mind of Abram standing before an altar, probably made of rocks. He's gathered some wood. He's started a fire. He's offered a sacrifice or has some kind of moment there where he's kind of calling on God's name. Can you picture it? Now, Abram in this moment is operating with what I call fresh faith. He's like a brand new Christian. He gave his heart to Jesus the night before he wakes up. It's his very first day of being a follower of the Lord. And he, all he has in his life are these three incredible promises kind of hanging over his life that God has spoken to him. And he stands here. And no doubt he's got ideas of what following God is going to look like what it's going to look like for God to bless him, what it's going to look like for God to be at work in his life. He's probably already starting to think about how all of these plans are going to come about. And you know what? He has absolutely no idea what he's in for. But in this moment, full of fresh faith, but no experience, he starts his journey of faith. And immediately, we see here he comes to his very first test, a drought. Now, droughts were normal in the ancient world, and they are normal for us here today. In the ancient world, of course, when there was a drought, it meant immediately food insecurity and financial crisis for people. In the ancient world, when, someone, when there was a drought, if you were a shepherd like Abram, immediately your whole net worth plummeted. Oftentimes, if you were a shepherd, you had to lay other shepherds off. Maybe you were a second in command. You got laid off. Oftentimes, it meant you had to uproot your family and move to brand new locations. And just like people today who lose their job and can't find something locally, have to move somewhere else. And for Abraham, this becomes his first test of faith, which maybe you can relate to. Can I trust God when my financial world is uncertain? When I have to sell my house and move? When I get laid off or I have to switch careers or I have to take some new training to get employable in a whole other industry. This is what Abraham is going through in this moment. And I want to remind you today, if we're honest, we do not like having our faith tested. Fair enough? But I want to suggest to you today that untested faith isn't real faith. Part of maturing in our faith is putting to test what we say we believe. Because we might have an idea, we might have an opinion of something, we might even be able to talk about it really passionately to convince everybody else around us that we know what we're talking about. But until you are forced to make a decision based on those beliefs in real life with consequences associated with it, it's not real faith. And this is what's happening with Abram in this moment. He's having his very first test of faith. I mean, you and I today, we can get fired up in a worship service and say, God, I love you, and I will leave everything to follow you, but tomorrow at work, tomorrow in the classroom, tomorrow when you're with your friends, and you get to a moment where you have to make a decision based on what you truly believe. It's a different story. It's real. And that's what's going on with Abram. A famine breaks out. He has to make a decision, and he has to decide, is faith going to play any role in the decisions that I make. That's scene number one, the famine. Scene number two, we're going to call the plan. Abram's a planner. Let's look at it in verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me, but let, but let you live. So say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake 
and my life will be spared because of you. Now, just a general observation to the husbands in the room today and online. Um, Verse 11 is a great verse just to have kind of memorized and at bay. If you're looking for something to write in your next Valentine's Day card, you can use chapter or you can use verse 11. Who Abram to his 60, late 60s, early 70-year-old wife says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, it would have had more effect if he didn't then treat her like property and trade her away. Um, but that's another story for another day. So the drought forces Abram to head towards Egypt. And he knows that he can provide for his family if he gets there. He shows up at the border. He's an outsider with no rights and no privileges. And he's afraid. For whatever reason, whether it's rumors or something he saw on Facebook, he does not think that the Egyptians are going to treat him well. And so he has a decision to make. Is my faith going to inform my behavior going forward? Can I trust these three promises that God has spoken over my life? And he decides, instead of being the husband someone wants to kill, He'll pretend to be the brother someone wants to schmooze. And he lies. And he gets his wife to go along with it. So Abram's first test of faith is a tough one. Take some financial pressure. Move your family across the country or to another country. Add fear for your general well-being. And now you're watching the unedited version of someone who's choosing to figure out what it looks like to live a life of faith. And Abram chooses to take matters into his own hands and sets his faith aside. Now, it's easy for us to read this and be critical of him, right? It's easy for us to watch other people do this and be critical of them. But isn't it true we all have moments where we do this? When the pressure comes and things are difficult, we feel tempted to put our faith aside. Maybe it's around issues of honesty. Maybe it's around issues of peacefulness or how we use our speech. Maybe you experienced it this week when everything got turned upside down and your plans for the weekend changed, and you set kind of your general faith aside, and just kind of some of the things you said and did were not kind of for your faith. What we're seeing in this passage is that it's easy To trust God when things are easy. Or before we've actually tried to put our faith into action. But as soon as we put our faith into action, then we're in these moments like Abram where our faith is getting tested. So standing at this border checkpoint, looking at his wife, looking at the guards, knowing he desperately needs to get on the other side so he can provide for his family. Abram chooses to trust his plans and his abilities. And on the surface, at least, his plan appears to work. Let's keep reading at verses 14 to 16. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. He, or Pharaoh, treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Abram shows up at the border and he tells a little fib and he gets paid for it. He gets benefit. He benefits from it financially. He gets sheep and cattle. He basically, we would say he got wealthy instantly. Remember, Abram had lost everything by, from the famine in order to flee. And now he's been paid back. The the drought had devastated him, and now he's kind of back in the game. And I can almost picture Abram saying to himself, I think I got this faith thing 
figured out. God calls me, I go. When it gets difficult, I kind of do it my way for a little bit, and I get paid for it. This isn't that difficult, right? Well, not quite. Let's go to scene number three, which we're going to call the mess. We're going to continue reading at verse 17 to 20. But the Lord afflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So they took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. So Abram's plan, shockingly, falls apart. He's about to learn that faith is not static. It's not just about saying something what you believe. It's active and it's dynamic because God is always involved in the equation. And he's the majority stakeholder in the relationship. That you and I, we have plans, we have schemes, we have things that we try to do. And yet in the midst of that overarching all of it is the greatness and grandeur and sovereignty of God fully at work in every detail of our life, including Abram's here. That God had made a promise to Abram and he's going to fulfill it. God had committed something to Abram, and he's going to follow it through. So God creates an outbreak among Pharaoh's household. They try to discern where it came from, and as they do, they discover that Sarai is not his sister, but his wife. And Pharaoh, in a move that reveals more character than Abram, refuses to keep her, gives her back, and because of Abram's dishonesty, deports him from Egypt and gives him a royal escort to the border. So, Abram's plan to look after his family, to compensate for their financial losses, and to be able to kind of put themselves in a position of security, falls completely apart. And it's a mess, a public mess. Kind of like when Facebook crashed this week on Monday, and we all just about nearly died. And the only way Facebook could make the announcement was on Twitter. It was a public mess in front of Abram's family, in front of his slaves, in front of his probably very furious wife. Now notice verse 20. Abram leaves, he has his wife, and it says, and everything that he had. Now most commentators suggest that when Pharaoh deported Abram from Egypt, he allowed him to keep all of the gifts that he had given to him in this story. Abram goes in, he lies, Pharaoh compensates him with, with all kinds of resources and then kicks him out and lets him keep the things that he's given to him. Now, the moral of this story is not lie and God will make you wealthy. That's not the story. The moral of the story is God is faithful to his promise to, to Abram. God promised to bless Abram and he does, not because of Abram but in spite of Abram. God is not rewarding Abram for his immoral behavior, but providing for him in spite of his behavior. God is providing him mercy in the mess. Do you have a good working definition of mercy? It's when God steps in and gives us what we did not deserve, instead of giving us what we do deserve. 
Mercy is what each of us as Christians know personally. That moment we ask Christ to come into our hearts and we surrender our lives to him. We recognize that God who should have disowned us brings us into his family as daughters and sons. And it's not just a one-time experience in that moment. We experience it again and again throughout our own journey of faith. God giving us mercy when we don't deserve it. And I wonder if on this Thanksgiving Sunday, it would be helpful for you to take some time and just reflect on God's mercy to you in different seasons of your life. God's mercy when you deviated from your beliefs in a time of pressure. God's mercy to you when you were at the end of your rope and had no idea how you were going to continue on. God's faithfulness to you that he did not give up on you, even though you might have given up on him. That God was with you each and every step of the way. Abram leaves Egypt with more than than he came into it with, and it's all because of God's mercy. Scene four, I would call starting over. Genesis chapter 13, 1 to 4, shows Abram leaving Egypt and arriving back at Bethel, where he stands before the altar and calls on the name of the Lord together. Let's look at this map for a second. You can see here last week, Pastor Sandy, we started out uh, in the city of Ur. We went up to Haran. We came on down there between Bethel and Ai, where Abram stood the very first time, freshly called by the Lord, builds his altar, puts a sacrifice on it, and calls out to the name of the Lord with fresh faith and no experience. He goes to Egypt, he gets kicked out, and he ends up where? Right back where he started. Abram ends up geographically right back where he started. Does this sound familiar to you? Have you had moments in your life where you were back where you started from? Maybe you left your parents' basement for a great big epic adventure, and 10 months later you were back again. Or you started out in a relationship and you thought it had promise, and then it ended and you just kind of are starting over and you just feel, I'm right back where I started before. Or maybe in faith, you just had this experience, you tried something, you trusted God with something, and it didn't go like you thought, and now you kind of find yourself right back where you started again. Now, it's important to remember something here. Abram might be back in the same physical location, but he is not the same person. You see, the first time Abram came to this place and pitched his tent and he built his altar and he called on the name of the Lord, he had a whole pile of untested faith. God spoke to him with those incredible promises. He had ideas about what that was going to look like and how it was all going to turn out, but it was all untested. And now he finds himself back here again, standing before that same altar. Gathering wood, starting a fire, getting ready to call on the name of the Lord as he did before. But he has something this time that he didn't have before. Because he literally road tested his faith in the highway to Egypt and back. And now as he calls on the name of the Lord, he knows that the Lord is merciful. Not because he heard about it in a Sunday school class, but because he experienced it first time in the middle of the mess. When he calls on the name of the Lord this moment, he calls on the name of the Lord who is faithful to him. That even though Abram was not faithful to the Lord or to his family, God was faithful to him. 
So he might be back where he started, but he's not the same person. His faith is stronger. He has learned what it looks like to walk with the Lord and what it means to trust him. And for us today, living in this time that we're in, that might feel like an enormous test to your faith. I believe that God has mercy for us in our mess too. That God is faithful and we can count on him no matter the circumstances where we are today. And it's my hope that on this Thanksgiving Sunday, the gift of God's mercy and the gift of his faithfulness would be such an encouragement to you so that you can trust him in whatever the next step of your faith might be. Let us pray. God, today we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your commitment to us. Lord, maybe we had visions about what life of faith was going to look like, how trusting you was going to look, and maybe it's not looked anything like that. And Lord, in this season, give us the courage to put a foot forward and to trust you again. We thank you for your mercy to us today, that you continue to bless and give life and give hope and encouragement no matter our circumstances, Lord. And so today, we just declare our trust in you, and we thank you for it in Christ's name.